Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Jessica Madden to talk all about her AMC Plus series, Dark Winds. And the first thing I was interested in talking about a little bit is, is the time period, because you're telling the story that's set in the 70s. And with your character in particular, there's obviously so many elements which impact her that are completely timeless. And no matter when the show was set, would still impact her as a character in this space in her world. Um, and at the same time, there's certain things that are more compounded, you know, how the world views her externally and how they treat her is obviously more heightened in the 70s than it would be at this point, even though there's still elements of that, that the, the kind of like the timelessness aspect as well. And so I was interested in, in how that informed certain ways and certain details that you saw yourself shaping into Bernadette as a character because of the time period specifically of the setting. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for that question. Like it's, um, it, it, this, this is one thing I love about Bernadette and Dark Winds is I think any woman that watches uh, her role in this show will relate in some aspect, wh whether it is in the 1970s or right now in the present. So I feel like um, I was obviously able to just draw from personal experience. You know, obviously, um, I've, when you have careers outside of just acting, it gives you this kind of life experience that you could draw from. And I think that's just what I did. You know, I used to work in um, offices all the time, and I knew then um, being a young woman, what it was like to just have these, it felt like triple obstacles against you. And it actually had nothing to do with the color of my skin per se. It was just the fact that I was a woman. And so I, when I was portraying Bernadette, I was, um, I, I thought a lot about that. And I, I drew from internally, what was I feeling at that time? So what must and like you said it, it's compounded this is in the 70s again when women's rights and all of that was just beginning and then you're also dealing so I drew from that and then I also did a lot of research because I'm very passionate about the American Indian movement um, and for those who don't know that was um, it was known as AIM and that was more or less like the the black power movement it was um, Native Americans fighting for their rights for basic human rights um, like clean water access to public health care public education, um, resources to build the proper homes, and yet they were seen as terrorists. So this was set, um, Dark Winds was set in the 70s, which was right during that period in time. So then you're also dealing with the fact that as a Native woman, you're seen as a terrorist in a lot of ways to the, uh, to the United States of America. So I was thinking of that too. Okay, there's all these compounded factors at play here. So so what would what would a, a strong, resilient Indigenous woman during that period do? What would she do? She would just she would stand tall because that's all one can do, I believe. And I, I think that's that's with any person of strength is you have to tune everything out and just know your truth. So that was literally the internal dialogue that I, you know, not like I'm a crazy person having conversations with myself, but you kind of do like that's part of your research of this is the internal dialogue that I was constantly reminding myself and being reflective of when I was um, uh, more or less, I guess, uh, helping to shape Bernadette. 
Yeah. And I, I love that description that you gave just there about standing tall, because when you look at the way that she seeds her power, you know, or kind of stays true to convictions and things that she knows to be true, waiting for other people to kind of come onto that side of truth as well. It's not about saying it louder. It's just about, you know, there's a real st stillness and ferocity to the strength that she carries. And so was, was that research and, and kind of making that very specific choice of it's about standing tall for her, where a lot of that kind of quiet stillness of the confidence came from in her as a character as well yeah absolutely and uh you know and I know there's like some Hollywood uh, Hollywood stereotypes of like the stoic Indian I get that but then the other thing about some stereotypes is they exist for a reason so sometimes I feel they're like there's the right places to play into that and honestly um it's just again stereotype or not I think when anyone stands in their power like that, um, it's it's that saying less is more. So speaking less and, you know, just doing it through your, your body language, I think um, that's key to what true power looks like as well. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that as well is also the fact that we're, we're witnessing this character in her workplace, you know, and that's a different setting to if we were seeing her home all the time. And the majority of it is who she is in the field. And obviously she has to be a very specific type of person. She has to kind of be able to shut everything down around her to focus on the job at hand. Um, and how did that influence the way that you were building her and, and creating this real undercurrent in her where there's a lot of things that maybe we're not seeing in her day to day. We're not seeing her talking about but you're still expressing all of those aspects of who she is within that particular setting of the story. Thank you for this, because I'm actually going to explain, and thank you for giving me the space, by the way. I actually saw, and, and I usually don't look at review things, but you know, this is like the first big Native American drama show. So I saw this review, and it was a bunch of these men who are obviously not Native that do not understand how tribal police operate. And they will cover, you know, miles and miles and miles of land. It's not like your typical police force where you're just, you know, parading, uh, not parading, but like uh, covering one area of a city. It doesn't work like that. And they were like, that's not believable. And I'm like, honey, you've clearly never been to a Native reserve because that is how it is. On top of it, here's an interesting fact is so in Canada, we have what's called the RCMP, which is like the FBI equivalent. And um, in order for RCMP to um, become qualified and certified in what they do, they're actually sent to isolated Native communities and put through what's called like an intensive training program of six months. Because what they will see in six months up in a Native reserve is what a, a, a police officer will see in their lifetime. That's how violent it is. That's how many issues that we're still facing and overcoming through um, our healing process of what happened with the residential schools and the boarding schools. And um, it's, it's a very hard thing to explain that we have third world living conditions within our developed nations in Canada, the United States. We don't have clean drinking water up there to have a little space of fruit and vegetables. And I'm talking like a table worth of that at a grocery store is phenomenal because it costs so much money to get that to these communities. I'm talking like I've seen an apple for $19. I've seen a rotten moldy bell pepper and a plastic thing for 15 bucks. So I, if I can't even afford that on a daily basis, you know, how on earth do I expect people who don't have money to afford that too? And these are my people. Um, so I just, so all of this and my life experience is what I compounded into Bernadette and her being a tribal officer. And, and, and it helps too that I know tribal officers in real life and female ones too. And, um, you know, I just felt like I, I, um, I, 
I, I made Bernadette even more tough, you know, unapologetically tough. And that is one thing I want to show. Cause again, I always reflect back to women. We are apologetic by nature. And it's weird how like we do that to ourselves because if we're too confident, if we stand too much in our power, then all of a sudden we're seen as like, oh, she thinks she's arrogant, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why, why? No, you could be kind and humble and compassionate and all these things, but also be okay to stand in what you've worked so hard to build in your life. So this is Bernadette. And um, honestly, I do draw a lot from life experience and um, watching other women in my life. Um, I, I think that's key. You're an observer, right? And is that also a lot of where the, the physicality of the character stemmed from as well? Because obviously, you know, it's it's carrying through in her demeanor and in her characteristics, but it's also in the way that she holds herself and, and the way that you in turn are holding yourself and your performance in a lot of scenes. Yeah, you know, I um so I, I learned through one of our Navajo writers on Dark Winds, um, Razal Benali, that um in Diné culture, they actually have five different uh terms for um uh, you know, you could, you could be a, a person, I'm going to get it super wrong, but you could be a person who is female, who has masculine traits, a male who has feminine traits, and then you have non-binary and, um, and you, you have all these different kinds, very much like how it is, uh, you know, uh, we have all the, the proper names and terms and we're all coming into the understanding, but I wanted Bernadette to be accessible to everyone. So even, you know, not just people who identify as cisgender, I wanted everyone to identify with Bernadette um, because I think we all have a bit of her in us. And I just thought, you know, my, my thinking is, is like, I know I'm the actor, but I'm always like, how can I make this about the audience? Like, how can, can I make this relatable? Um, because, you know, there's so many shows these days, I get it. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you get someone's attention? Um, and I was like, I just, I just always, everything I do in my life, including the characters, I want it to be relatable, something that people are like, get fired up about because they want that in themselves. So that's all I'm doing. It's, I think about what do I want myself? What do I think that, you know, I hear that my friends in the audience would like to see. So, um, that's why I made her the way she is. So, and, and people are always like, oh my God, Jess is not like that in real life. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just a, a big friendly giant. So. <laughs> no, I love, I love what you've built in this character as well. And, and also wanted to ask you, because I've heard you also say that for you, you really saw Bernadette as someone who had a lot of adeptness and code switching, you know, particularly with the work that she's doing and, you know, depending on who she's talking to, I was interested in what were some of those small nuanced details that you wanted to have kind of shift or change a little bit depending on what situation she was in and who she was talking to with that code switching in mind for her as a character. Yeah, so a, a big part of um, how natives are is our it's our humor. And um, so when she's around her close friends and family, she's she's herself, right? So when she's around Jolie Porn's character or Emily Porn, um, she's she's herself. You know, so I wanted that to come through where you see these little quirks that she has and that she's actually funny and she's accessible. Um, but, you know, um, when she's around people she doesn't like and because of her line of work, um, I wanted to show that other side that a lot of natives do have. And, you know, it's not you're you're not as accessible. You got intruders on your land and also, you know, racism. Racism is a thing. Um, you know, I don't want to harp on that too much, but it, it's undeniable. It's something that um, I've grown up my entire life with. And it's only in the last, I would say, like 
six years where it's it's cool to be to be native now you know it's cool to be who you are and and i love that so much but you know uh all these elements like i said i just i, I draw from life experience and um and and i also with the, with the code switching too it's you know it's um i'm i'm mixed as well and i was raised traditionally a lot in my native culture. I was raised on many different native reserves, but I wasn't born on a native reserve and my family's extremely scattered too. And so I also, it's a detriment and a benefit at the same time, because I've been able to understand as an outsider, sometimes when I felt that way, as well as an insider. And again, Bernadette is that, you know, being a a police officer, which was rare back then, I would, you know, assume as a, as a female, um, but also being a Navajo woman on top of it too. Yeah. You know, and, and you were talking there as well about the, the different sides of when she feels very relaxed, when she's comfortable, you know, when she's with Joe and, and that's someone that's a very familial person to her. And I really enjoyed the fact that we get to watch the dynamic as it evolves with Chi when he first joins the force and joins the team, that there are a lot of guardrails up and she's not immediately going to give herself over and reveal things about herself. And even by her own admission says, you know, I'm not very good at making small talk. So she's not telling him very much at the beginning, but then we do see those guardrails like really come down and soften. And so how did you calibrate and find, you know, what are, what are the turning points for her of trust? You know, when is the point where she starts to really trust him and feel very comfortable in revealing more of herself? And what does that look like with someone new for her? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, again, I, this is, you, you hear sometimes with like actors and, and, uh, maybe not, not director sometimes, but sometimes producers uh, chime in too of like how they want to see those emotional arcs happen. And I'm going to be honest, like in the first episode when uh, Bernadette is in the police station and she, or, or I think it was the second episode, I'm sorry, I can't even remember my own show now, but uh, there was a scene where um, she kind of like makes fun of something that she says and she goes, you know, and I honestly thought that was too immature for a grown woman to do that. And I didn't want that. And um, uh, Chris Ayer, a wonderful director, also didn't want that take. But when you when you have, a, you know, a lot of people that you are your boss and they want this to go a certain way, you don't really have a say. And I was like, OK, cool. I was like, and I'm just so trusting sometimes. I was like, all right. All right. So I actually I think about these things and I'm like, how can I redeem Bernadette? with that thing that I had to do that, you know, cause you get protective as an actor of your characters. Um, one thing I don't want to be is like precious and make a big deal on set. I'm not like that at all, but I just, you know, I'll, I'll do my job, but I'll take that into consideration. So I remember of like, okay, how can I redeem her so that, her, you know, Bernadette's still cool. She's still true and genuine. Um, and she's still representing that, that powerful woman, because honestly a powerful woman would not do that. Um, so, so this, I'm giving you a little inside stuff too, because I think, um, you know, sometimes audience members too can feel it when it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of like a weird choice, you know, and I'm totally not dissing anyone. I'm just kind of giving you the process of like, um, how it would go. But, um, I felt it was, um, I had to work around that because, you know, we only have six episodes and there's only a few scenes where we develop Chi and Bernadette's uh, relationship and stuff like that. So um, I just wanted, I, I, it was like a kind of like a steep curve for me. I'm, I'm kind of rambling because it was, it was honestly, if anything, that was a bit of a challenge out of everything, you know, even though I'm like not giving too much away, but, you know, um, you know, 
beating some people up and everything. That was fine. It, the, the challenge was actually trying to find this love arc kind of quickly. I don't want to say love arc and give it away too much, but obviously this developing budding thing from going from one extreme to the next. Um, so I'm rambling because honestly, I, 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 you know, you rely on beautiful, awesome, talented writers to help you out with that. Um, and I, I think they did a great job of just like helping me as a, as an actor to make sure that Bernadette touched these points with Chi, because I was like, oh, that's kind of like a, a steep curve as well. But um, again, I think it's about, th they found a way to relate to each other. They come from the same home and um yeah, am I answering your question? I feel like I'm rambling <laughs> with that no, one. No, you're not rambling at all. And I, I love those sorts of details. And I'm, I'm glad that you were mentioning Chris Eyre as well, director on the series. And it sounds like it was a really collaborative environment in, in working with, with Chris. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about what that collaboration looked like. What was that kind of style that the two of you found with one another as collaborators? And what are some of the ways that the two of you really found some of the details of Bernadette together? Yeah, so... Um, so Chris Sayre is no, he's pretty renowned and well-respected and known in Indian country. And so I've known about him since I was a child, literally. I didn't know him personally, but I knew his film Smoke Signals. And um, that really helped to shape and put our people in the map in a very contemporary setting. So I don't think it's coincidence that he came onto this. And he's also helping to shape natives in a another, you know, the 70s still of a contemporary setting, as opposed to like what we're used to seeing, you know, like the teepees, the 1800s, et cetera. Um, but when I saw his name attached and Zahn, and then I saw, I was like, George R. R. Martin and Robert Redford. I was like, oh, Robert, oh, Bob. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't had a crush on Bob, you know? Um, but when I saw Rob uh, George R. R. Martin, I was like, is there another George R. R. Martin? Or is it that guy who did the stuff with the dragons? Uh, like, I, I wasn't sure. I was actually confused. And, you know, it's like when you see these things, you're like, wait, is this for real or no? And, um, you know, uh, Chris and I, uh, I can, I have some funny stories I should probably share. I don't even know if he remembers, but we had kept kind of, kind of in touch, but it was through Facebook, which I don't have anymore. And I haven't had for years. And I was like, I was like, what's this guy about? And, uh, and then we ended up working together on the show and I just realized, oh my God, he's not only talented, but he's actually a genuine sweetheart. And um, he really is for the people. He's really about um, helping this generation of native artists, as well as uh, the generation before us um, really succeed. And um, he's really big about, um, him and I have kind of the same ideals in terms of, we're constantly thinking together, how can we move our people forward in cinema? How can we, um, you know, stay true to our culture, but try to break away from what's been told before? I think there's the Tennessee Williams saying is we we write what we know, something like that. And um, that always stuck in my head. And I always think about that. Um, obviously, you know, I, I'm doing most of the acting, not not so much writing, um, but I, I make sure to apply that when I act. And I know Chris thinks about these things a lot. And um, he's also very cognizant of making sure that um, we, we break out of the mold. And so, um, yeah, it was just a good fit. It's a joy. But uh, so, so why I'm rambling about this is um, it's very common in Indian country, as we call it, that we all kind of know each other or we know of each other. So, um, so the, the acting pool, I would say, for Native Americans is still 
quite small and um, you know, and it takes time. I've been in this business for 12 years and I think that's something important to share too, because, you know, you do get these overnight successes, but the reality is, is a lot of us have been working for quite a long time. Um, you know, I was on, I think is a great example. I think he's what been in this business for 30 years and he's finally just getting the lead of his own show. It's beautiful, you know, and it's well-deserved, well-deserved. I mean, the man could freaking act and, and Chris too, you know, it's so it's, um, it's just a joy for me to be a part of this and see other natives succeed really. And truly, I mean, that. I'm not just saying it, you know, some people say that and they really don't mean it, but I, I do, I mean, it. it's, it's important. Yeah. And, and with Zan as well, you know, I, I love the the relationship dynamic that the two of you created between Joe and between Bernadette, because, you know, it's this professional partnership, but also this very personal partnership. And he's really a father figure to her in her life. And I thought that the two of you captured the essence of what that means. And even just, there's so much silent communication and understanding between the two of them, which comes forth. Um, and so how did the two of you set about finding what are the specific aspects that are going to come into their relationship in the workplace with the fact that that's the relationship that they have outside of these doors and it, it doesn't leave the moment that they step into the uniforms. Here's a cool thing. When you know you get a chance to work with a really good actor, you don't even really like with TV show, we move at such a fast pace. We don't have time to rehearse. So I knew that we would find the dynamic like that. And we did. So um, it's, it's actually, you know, with uh, some things could be complicated, but this one's very simple. It's he's an incredible actor. We pay attention to one another and you just bounce off of that energy. And um, it was very, very easy because Zahn and I are both nerds and we do our homework and we study very hard. Uh, so we came to set prepared and we already knew the dynamic. And it, and it helped that, you know, uh, Zahn and I have known each other for uh, seven years, seven, eight years now, because we did another show together called Frontier with Jason Momoa on Netflix. And actually, uh, Jay is so loyal to um, the friends he meets in his life that he always wants to welcome them back onto his new shows. So he welcomes on back onto the show just for a couple of episodes, but I, that's when I met Zahn. So, uh, and Zahn and I always kind of kept in touch here and there, but again, Indian country, so supportive that, um, it, it just felt like I really was in the room with a good friend, you know? And so we just built on that dynamic right on the spot like that. That's amazing. And one of the other aspects in the show as well is, is some of the stunt work. And I know that with you, it's always very important to be able to do the majority of all of your own stunts and, and this show being no exception. And it also sounds like that's something where even, you know, even if you haven't got a project where you know you're going to have to do that, that's something that you're kind of always training and, and making yourself ready for. So I was interested in hearing a little bit about what that time in between projects looks like for you in terms of some of the training that you always continue to do and, and how that carried forth in, into this show with Bernadette in terms of finding her specific style of movement as a character with what her skills and her training would be professionally as well as how she moves as a character through the rest of the show influencing that yeah so I you know I came into this industry just giving acting a try I googled it how to become an actor I I worked in uh uh, advertising in London, England. Uh, um, and I, I did some, I worked at the land development company for 12 years prior. So I come from kind of just like a marketing background. So maybe that helped, but, um, you know, the, the recession happened at the time I was trying to move to New York that failed. So I was like, Oh man, well, I'm in Canada. I don't want to be in the, the town I'm in. What's what's in Vancouver. What's their main industry film. I was like, Oh, okay. 
I read it. I was like, how to become an actor. I was like, oh, it says get headshots, find an agent. Okay. I didn't say anything about training. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, so my whole life I've been, um, I've been training. So my mother put me into aspiring lessons when I was very young, different forms, Danjutsu, Purple Dragon, by, uh, Ryu, which was a Caribbean form of training in Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, Professor Don Jacob, the trainer there was actually, our instructor was trained by Bruce Lee's instructor. So I'm not telling you, it's not like this, um, you could just cross over and get a white belt to yellow belt. You actually, everyone had to be able to do the splits before they could even graduate from a a white to yellow, like it was brutal. And, um, you know, my brother went over to Trinidad and uh, trained 13 hours a day and like, um, it just crazy weather. So, so we come from a very athletic family to begin with, which, which really helps. Um, um, but also, you know, I was always, I'm five foot 10 pretty much. So when I was, um, sparring competitively, uh, they wouldn't put me in the girls category cause I was too tall and they said it wasn't fair. So they put me in the boys category and I tied second place, uh, sparring. And, um, so, and, you know, growing up on tons of reserves, you kind of have to like, you know, Indian kids are rough with each other. And, um, you know, I was always, I was, they would try to pick on me. Um, and I would just kind of have to beat them down. So, (laughs) and then, then, you know, and I would beat them up and then I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to fight anymore. Like I was, I always had that, uh, dynamic, but you know, all of this, uh, and this is what I teach as I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm running a native film Academy and stunt combat Academy, and I'm really big on training the body, um, and the mind. So I just brought this into acting when I decided to go into it. And I saw that there was a, a gap, um, that there wasn't a lot of native actors, female actors that could fight, like truly fight. And so I just started training myself on my own. You know, I, at the time I was starting off, I couldn't afford a trainer none of that, but I would run on a treadmill, um, um, almost every day. And when I did, I would be visualizing that I was training for the role of a native warrior, um, in TV or film. And, um, you know, there is truth in manifestations. You make yourself feel it. You convince your body and your mind that it's happening, that it does exist. And lo and behold, my first big gig out of the gate was, you know, playing a native warrior. And then it's just kind of been a snowball of um, these cops. You know, I played the lead character uh, that I associated produced in Canada called Tribal chief sergeant of a police force and now there's Bernadette um so so um one thing when you're filming um if you can do your own stunts it just it's easier for um the DP the director and it's just you and as an actor you could bring that energy but mind you I respect stunt people so much like they are fearless they're the ones that actually make actors look really good because you know when an actor's like hitting they're the one that reacts right so they're like they're the one going ah you know even though you're not even hitting them or if you hit them and it's like you know a wussy kind of hit and they're you know they they're the ones selling it so sometimes there was there was one uh stunt coordinator that he he helps to train me um his name is Daniel and he's like one of my best friends out of LA he's French and um <laughs> I barely touched him he like backflipped over and I was like okay that's a little exaggerated <laughs> but um yeah it's it's one thing with stunts though um I I realized as an actor, we we have to make sure that we're not getting overconfident because there's so much you still need to learn. It's actually very, very dangerous. I mean, I've ended up in the emergency three times on different projects. Um, Even um, I I had caught COVID 
Um, and I did not, um, I lost my sense of taste smell, but the weirdest thing happened. I lost my pain receptors. So I couldn't tell, um, if I was injuring myself. So, so even, um, in the show, you know, I was doing my own stents and, um, I, the next day I was so bruised and swollen from, uh, my favorite scene coming up, um, in some of the episodes, I won't give it away, but I, I honestly, I couldn't even feel pain from it, but my body was like pretty beaten up. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. It is. And it, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. And I love hearing all these details of all of the different aspects of everything that went into creating this character, because it's so much over the course of, of six episodes. And I've really loved watching the first season with everything that you've done. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. Appreciate it, Jessica. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm rambling like crazy today. You know, some interviews you're like rambling and I'm like, why am I rambling right now? So <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it's all, like all wonderful so much, details. Yeah. I just feel like you have like very like, um, you know, like thought out questions. So there's, and you know, it's connected to all these factors. So, so I was just like kind of sharing. <laughs> no, I loved it. Thank you so much.